It's that time of the year again. Advent calendars are being opened up and down the land. The games are coming thick and fast and managers are being sacked all over the show. For most of us, Halloween's a thing of the distant past, but for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, one spectre remains looming large in the shadows in the shape of Maurizio Pochettino. You're very welcome to the Red Voices podcast with me, Paul Gunning, and the long-suffering Richard Can. How are you doing, Rich? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, apart from the football. Uh, We're we're recording this on a Monday evening, so it's about 24 hours after the draw yesterday against Aston Villa. And there were a few boos at at Old Trafford at the end, at the final whistle. Uh, And a quick glance at Twitter on the way out of the stadium tells me there are a lot of angry and unhappy United fans out there. Rich, your thoughts on the match first, and then we'll come to whether you think the game's up for all against Arsenal or not later on. Yeah, I think it, was, it, it followed the, the path of the Sheffield United game in, in some respects, in that United came out again and without the intensity to really compete against the team that we should have been comfortably competing against. Villa were markedly better than United in the first half. United were very fortunate to, to go in at half-time. One all, and although things kind of picked up in terms of chance creation and general fluency in the second half, we still couldn't really argue with the fact that we didn't win the game. And if you're talking about another game against a side who um, I think they had the worst away record in the Premier League this season. You know, we look at the teams that United have failed to beat this season, it's it's pretty much eight of the bottom ten, really. Um, I think we've got four points from eight eight games against teams below the uh, halfway in the table. What was that statistic as well? In, in I think it was um, James Ducker and uh, the Telegraph. He said something, something like... It was about the number of points we picked up against or dropped against newly promoted teams in the last sort of, three years or so, and it's absolutely abysmal. The problem is that United seem to lower themselves to just marginally below any team they play, or almost any team they play. You know, in fact, we've had bright spots. I thought Brighton was pretty, pretty solid performance, pretty decent performance. And then, obviously, the Partizan game at home. But Norwich away, maybe, that was pretty Yeah, decent. Norwich away as well. I mean, having watched Norwich a few times in the last few weeks, I mean, you know... <laughs> They're, they're wide open. Um, I keep I keep trying to cling on to, to something that I can call progress. And, and every time we take a step or two forward, it just doesn't sustain and we just drop back into into the same awful inconsistency again. And, you know, I, I've gone three or four weeks where I've, I've actually been looking up the table rather than down it. And now I'm back to looking down towards how far above the bottom three we are again. And I think, you know, given the way they're performing against teams that are that are that bad, you know. I don't think we can we could really afford not to. Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard, it's hard to disagree with anything you said. Really, I mean, first half, you're absolutely right. It was awful. Nothing really coming off. And that, and I mean, I was at Old Trafford, and I don't know if it, if it came across on on the TV, but the space in, in in the middle of the park was just unbelievable. Pereira and Fred. I mean, we, we know they're not good enough, but the space they afforded Villa's midfield was just absolutely shocking. Um, I mean, Grealish was kind of pulling strings, really. Great goal, by the way, for him, and, and, and not a lot of that, from what I could see, not a lot of De Gea could have done about it, really. I mean, you talk about inconsistency. Did we not expect that a little bit, though, this season? Were we warned even by Solskjaer about that this season, given the average age of the of the team and, and obviously the fact that he's, he's clearly not got the number of players in that he wanted to get in over the summer? I agree that, that we definitely should have been ex- expecting to do inconsistency. I think the problem is that we're almost consistently inconsistent or we're not even competing with teams that we should be competing with you know on a weekly basis and you look at that villa team i th- you know i think there are probably three players in that villa team that are would get into united's first team if you're just doing on pure quality not necessarily performances now but what perceived quality of players i think grealish and um 
McGinn would would walk in, and I think probably I think probably um, Tyron Mears. I think I think he'd he'd be really good for Maguire as well. But aside from that, you know, there's there's enough talent in that that United side, even taking into account the perceived weaknesses that we we've, we've got, and certainly that midfield to at least be competing and doing marginally better than the kind of teams that we're not doing marginally better with. And if you look at, I mean, I think we're a point ahead of Steve Bruce's Newcastle. And I was I was reading a Luke Edwards from The Telegraph today, and he's a Newcastle fan. And he was basically saying that they're actually not that chuffed with Bruce, and they don't actually think he's got that side anywhere near where it could be. You know, they're a point behind us. You go through the list of teams that clearly have inferior squads to United, Bournemouth, and Sheffield United just... You know, making fools of almost everybody because that that squad's a ragtag bunch of misfits and you know lower league players and cast-offs from the Premier League and it, it, Wilders forged them into a, an absolutely exceptional team, really, for, given the, the sum of their parts. And United, United are just more often than not less than the sum of their parts, and I think that's the biggest the biggest issue for Solskjaer now is that whilst he's he's not getting results, he's not even getting performances on the kind of consistent basis that we that we were getting them earlier in the season, even if we weren't necessarily winning the games. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that, really, because even yeah earlier in the season, it felt like we were a bit unlucky in certain games. Like our way to Wolves springs to mind immediately, um, and there were quite a few others like that where we Palace played... Palace at home, yeah. Lots of those games at the start. Southampton away, you know, we played reasonably well and maybe didn't get the rub of the green or we missed penalties, that sort of thing. Whereas... Yeah, the last couple of games against Sheffield United and obviously yesterday, we were actually quite lucky to get away with a draw. Really, I mean, I suppose it was probably a fair result in the end. But I, I mean, you know, Grealish puts that that chance away in the second half, and, and we, you know, the way United react to adversity, oh, who knows what would have happened? Do you see any green shoots at all? I mean, if if I don't know, if Pogba and McTominay started yesterday, do we win that game? Do you think? Do we at least give it a, a better fist of it? I think we definitely have a better chance, but I think there's a there's a danger in holding on to. The return of particularly those two players and thinking that's kind of the the cure all to to all, all the problems. I mean, certainly Matomane's been our best midfielder this season, and we we unquestionably missed him. Uh, come on to it later. I, mean, I, know, I know he's becoming a bit of a scapegoat, but you know, Andres, Andres Pereira isn't a Premier League player for me. No, he's really not. not he's, is he? he's not. He's not. He's not. 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 A, not a United player. He's not a Premier League player for me. I actually got angry yesterday watching him. The way he sort of saunters around the pitch. It's almost as if he he believed all the hype all those years ago, and it's gone to his head. And he just he hasn't got it. I can't see any redeeming features particularly. And even like his, his set pieces were meant to be amazing. His set pieces are crap now as well. Yeah, I mean he did one good thing, which was a cross for the goal amongst. Yeah, every now and then he get, puts a good cross in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's what you're basically hanging on to, aren't you? Saying yeah, his general game is absolutely abysmal, but he might he might stick a really good free kick or cross in once in a game, and that's and that's a goal. So, I mean, certainly if you've got Matomane in there, but then Solskjaer was picking Pereira when Matomane was fit. So if there's one defining feature, if, if Oli does end up losing his job in the next few weeks or whenever, you know, if, if the one the one thing that I remember him for is his absolute inability to, to see past Andreas Pereira as a Premier League footballer. Yeah, he's he's trying to play, he's been trying to play with a number 10, so essentially a, largely a 4-2-3-1 for, for weeks and weeks in a, a club where we don't really have a half competent number 10 
and and what that essentially has meant is that he he has to force Pereira in every week. But I mean, he's played all over. The, he's played on the right wing. He's played as a number ten. He's played now. It, yesterday it was almost I don't know if he's a defensive midfielder or what really. But he doesn't bring anything to the table. He's not you know he, I don't know. It's uh, you know it's not like he's aggressive and his movement's terrible. I really noticed it yesterday. You know, McTominay. I think you know. Listen, McTominay. He's not a world beater at this stage. We, we know that. But he, he moves, he wants the ball. It was almost like Pereira was kind of hiding yesterday. He wasn't up for the fight, which maybe is simplifying it a little bit too much. Maybe just literally just not good enough. But I don't know, I, I, can't, I just cannot see what Solskjaer sees in him at all. I think the frustration is as well, if, even if you take into account Matomine and Pogba being out, we've talked about a part of this process that supposedly the club is going through and all he's taking part in is, is essentially phasing these great young players into the first team. And, you know, certainly he's, he's done that with Brandon Williams, although, you know, to a degree, he, he almost had no choice in that, in, in trying something else in that position. You know, we've got two, two central midfielders in the, in the reserve team who I think were two of the few who came away with their heads held high from Astana on, on Thursday in Garner and Levitt. And both, I think, are really talented, really talented kids. And I'm, I'm not suggesting for a minute that you can you chuck Levitt and Garner in and expect world-class performances or even really, really high-class performances. But if, you're, if, if this is part of a process to take you somewhere better down the line, if, if you're playing Pereira every week and Pereira is not delivering ever, what have you got to lose by th- throwing in one of these guys that you know is more talented than him? Yeah, I mean, I guess Solskjaer would, would probably argue that he's trying to protect them and not throw them to the Lions kind of thing. But, I, I mean, he, he yesterday... Did, he kept Pereira on the pitch, and that's what I couldn't understand at all because I think he had he had Garner on the bench, didn't he? Give it a go, you know. I mean, it clearly wasn't working. You could see it wasn't working in the first half. I mean, we can come on to Solskjaer's subs. Again. I mean, that, let's just talk about it now. Obviously, I was at the match, so I, I, was Marcel injured? Was 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 Brandon Williams injured? What was all that about? It doesn't look like it. No, I mean, no. The, I think I suppose the two the two frustrations we, we've talked about this before is that Solskjaer's game management is really poor. And it's been evident for a very, very long time, and I've just we've all just been kind of hoping that something something twigs. And well, he occasionally gets, gets it right, doesn't he? And and then you think, oh, maybe the penny's dropped, but then, then he just does it, does, does it again no. like yesterday, and it's just like, well, no, it clearly hasn't. You know, the fullback sub was was baffling. I mean, Brand, Brandon Williams was in a minor way at fault for the equaliser in that he just didn't quite get out quickly. Quick was he? I've not seen it back, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he just played he played Mings on side, but I mean that. That he'd had a reasonable game. I mean, he wasn't getting torn apart. He, you know, he he has got a lot to learn defensively. But I think he was quite bright going forward, and he's he's definitely learning, and he's definitely a lot of potential there. But that that sub made no sense to me at all. And 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 the the other two subs were left far too long and too and late you, as usual. Yeah. And you chasing you chasing a goal and you take off your centre forward, it, albeit he's not having a great game. But then most of them aren't. He was trying things though, Marcia, wasn't he? I mean, you know, it wasn't all coming off, but he, at least he was giving it a go and he was trying to run past defenders. And and it, I don't understand why you wouldn't, especially after Sheffield United last week, when you when you threw when you threw Lingard on, you threw Mason Greenwood on, and you got all those players on because Dan James was really lively in the second half yesterday. Rashford looked lively again. Not everything was coming off, but keep all those quick players on the pitch, and they're going to scare teams. Luke Shaw. I mean, am I missing something here? And also, I mean, I don't want to get too much into into the shape that Shaw's in, but he, I know he's been injured. But and I know he's got obviously that kind of body shape that does hang on to weight a little bit. But I, mean, I just don't understand. It, it doesn't look like he looked after himself at all. No, and it's, it, it, I don't know if you saw the quotes afterwards. Absolutely, quite amazing that he said that he'd seen that Brandon Williams was blowing a bit 
And, um, did he actually say that? No, he did actually say that. Yeah, that wow. uh, Brandon Williams was. I, I believe so. Yeah, that Brandon was blowing a bit, and he needed he'd help him with his fitness. So I just, I was just oh, like, but I mean, regardless, I thought that was a parody account. I thought it was one of those fake quotes. But regardless, I mean, I think we've got to the point now where we've essentially lost faith in Luke Shaw just because I don't think he'll ever be the athlete that he needs to be to be the, to be the player that he needs to be. And there has to be. You have to think there's a lack of professionalism in, in there somewhere. If if that's the case consistently the case yeah I mean I've always I've always got the impression with him and I, I mean I obviously clearly don't know him and you know, just just from what you read and what what you see in his interviews he just seems like this, this guy who is just incredibly he seems almost incredibly laid back but it's not I don't know about, I'm not sure if laid back is really the, the right word he's just almost like at half pace with everything it's almost like there's no there's no excitement in him there's no spark in him at all and it shows on the it shows on the pitch and he's just a bit as a defender, he he's not the most intelligent defender either. No, he's not at all. He's co- he's constantly getting caught out of position, and he's not great going forward. So he doesn't really have any any plus side to him. And if you look at Williams, you could say, okay, he's been susceptible defensively at the moment. He's learning, but he offers much more going forward than Luke Shaw has, has ever ever offered. Well, that's the biggest criticism you can throw at level at, at Brandon Williams at the moment, really, isn't it? It's just literally naivety, which is you know inexperience. It, it comes with age, and, and with Shaw, I mean, how, how long are we going to give him? You know what I mean? It's, it's crazy, really. And yesterday, he looked. It sort of, it reminded me of you know when you're at school and you like the last man to be picked when you're playing football at lunchtime. It was like that kind of you know you're just thinking, why has he put him on? I don't understand it. Even even if Williams was had picked up a bit of a niggle, put an attacker on and take a defender off at that stage. You know what I mean? I just throw it, throw caution to the wind a little bit. And if Solskjaer's, because he talks a lot about, you know, wanting to restore the attacking flair to, to you know, the, the old United way and the United DNA and all that sort of thing. And then he makes a substitution like that and it and it just kind of contradicts all of that. But this this team's missing so many different components, Sydney's. I mean, we, Villa are not a good team, or certainly away from home, they're a really, really poor team. And if United had been competent in any number of areas, we should, we should and could have won that game, you know. Even even as second best, we scored two goals, got ahead, then you know just completely switched off. It wasn't just the offside, you know, we just completely switched off with the second ball, came back in again, and, and conceded within a minute and a half of, of going ahead. And you, you know the celebrations after going ahead at two one, you think right, build on this now, and then it's gone within a minute. And also there was there were quite a few, and I think it was mainly Dan James. I think Matt might have put on a, a good ball in as well, but there were quite a few absolutely perfect crosses into the Villa penalty box and there's no one there they just they beat the keeper they beat the defence it's like an open goal gaping goal and I noticed that Martial and Rashford at that point were both on the edge of the box almost like waiting for the cutback but they're waiting for the same ball one of you go go and try and get that that poacher's goal in the six yard box and one of you hang back that attack Solskjaer made a lot of decisions in the summer that I think were brave Risky but brave. They were they were brave, but they were also incredibly risky. So part of that was essentially um, levering Lukaku out the door when he didn't know if he had a replacement or not. And the decision to have Martial as his frontline striker with with only Greenwood behind him. And I do think Martial's the best finisher at the club by some distance. But you're making a decision to take a guy who's mostly been playing as a winger for the last four or five years. And, and make him your centre forward. If you're going to do that, he needs to be playing as a centre forward, or he needs to be coached to be playing as a centre forward. And you think Solskjaer would be the man to, to do that because you know he was he was always scoring goals that like that. Very odd. For whatever you know, for whatever reason, it's not it's not working like that. He's, I mean, it's, the stupid thing is that Martial scored really what was a poacher's goal in the first day of the season against Chelsea, but it was 
just like many other things we saw in that game was false dawns all over the place but you know if Solskjaer's gonna make that that call to use this guy as a centre forward who isn't a natural or pure centre forward then he's got to back his ability to coach him to play as as a as a proper frontline centre forward and it just hasn't hasn't happened and there's so many areas of the team where you know again the Solskjaer made an enormous play about how his fitness regime over the summer and his really hard pre-season would make players more durable and you know that's not happened either and it's just all these decisions and all these calls that he's made in the summer and he's been he's on the face of it been incredibly confident with just haven't come off I, know, I mean the general feeling around the ground I mean it's obviously you can't read 70 odd thousand people's minds but it, it felt to me like the general feeling was obviously frustration but also like a, a, an understanding that all these He's got a ma- he's had a mammoth task on his hands, and the feeling I got was we still sort of believe that he can turn this around, or, we, or even if we don't believe he can, we, we wanted to sort of give him the, the, the a bit more rope to hang himself with, sort of thing. Personally, I, I think there are positives to take at the moment, but you clearly don't, and obviously a lot of other people don't. It's a really tricky one, isn't it? And, and it, you have to be careful not to let your heart rule your head, and, and obviously the fact that he's a legend sort of cloud our judgment and. and Certainly, I think I probably am slightly guilty of that. But I, I'm clinging I on. I like his plan. I like the way. He, I, I like what he wants to do. It's just whether he can actually do it or not. And, and then there's the other thing of whoever comes in is going to have the same hierarchy above them, the same issues, the same lack of transfer funds. But I guess, like you're saying, maybe a better coach, actual coach. It's a tough one, isn't it, at the moment? What United need, if you if you work on the basis that you can't expect anything to be delivered to a manager from above. Then you need a, a manager or a coach who can maximise the, particularly the young talent that we've got and the young players we've got coming through. And I know you know people have their own opinions on that, but, but when, when we're talking about someone like Pochettino, you, you're talking about a guy who's, who came in at a club that was at a similar low ebb and really has had relatively little support financially and in terms of what he's wanted throughout the whole time he was at Spurs and and his, his the foundation of that team he built was built on taking young players that he already had and making them a shit ton better and signing a few more and making them a shit ton better as well and United are in a position where we have got a, a very young team and there is a lot of talent there to be it's you know there's a lot of untapped talent in the first team squad and in the in the academy as well and if you can't rely on the ownership of the club to deliver the players you need, you you need a coach who can get the most out of the potential and the, the talent that he's got. You know, you sort of almost pose the question essentially that I, I like I like a lot of Ollie's ideas. I like what he's trying to do. I like some of, I like the players that he was brave enough to move on in the summer. I like the, the players that he'd like to move on now. I like the focus on the young players. I like all of these things and that's why I'm kind of clinging on to something. But every fibre of sense in my brain is telling me that all of those really, really good ideas are worth nothing if you can't actually deliver on them. And that's just kind of where I feel we're just stuck at the moment. I think this has gone further than it would have done if Solskjaer wasn't somebody that was so intrinsically linked to the club and so intrinsically bonded with the fans and, and everything else. We're all giving him more rope than we, than we would give another guy, I think. Un- I think that's probably true, yeah. Yeah, because we want it. We we desperately, desperately want it to happen. You know, the the contrast is to Mourinho at the end. I wanted Mourinho out of the club regardless of results because I think he was just a cancer at that point. He was just a, an incredibly negative force that was overwhelming everybody, and I think the players had stopped playing for him. And I don't think that's the case with Oli at all. I think they like him. They want to play for him. They are 
Yeah, there's no there's no sign of Dyke Downing tools or that kind of thing really at all, other than maybe Paul Pogba, if you believe the rumours, which you know I'm not sure I do. Um, yeah, it's a really really tricky one. I mean, I personally, just to put my sort of two pennies worth in. I still support Ole. I don't. I don't really see much changing. Whoever we bring in, and I think it would be harsh to get rid of Solskjaer, given the mess that he inherited, and it was it was a mess, sort of five, six years in the making, three managers in the making. Personally, I would like. I would like to see the club give him a bit more time, at least. Maybe another transfer window in January. Maybe I don't know. We're, obviously, all of that depends. Is dependent on on things improving and they do have to improve performances have to improve results have to improve uh, you mentioned him a minute ago you mentioned the n-word Jose Mourinho quick chat about him obviously he's bringing his Spurs team to Old Trafford on Wednesday how do you feel about that I think he'll be loving that won't he really oh absolutely <laughs> he's going to be absolutely loving it isn't he he is. He is going to be loving it, and I, you know, I don't blame him. You know, that's life, isn't it? You know, he's not. I mean, he's admitted himself in when he's been uh, working on Sky that he probably deserved to be sacked, but I'm sure he's still, still. Well, he's a humble one now, Rich. Oh, absolutely. Just as he was three years before, <laughs> exactly. when he rocked in. You know, he's, when he when he starts in his job, he's always this this smiley, really sort of kind of mesmeric figure who that lifts everybody. And and the media course, falls for it every time, don't they? They do. Well, I suppose it makes good copy, doesn't it? Yeah, you I know? suppose it does. Yeah. Um, or perhaps people just forget after a few. Months, I don't know, but you know, it's it's when it's when and if things start to go wrong when. Which they will, they will, they will. But I mean, he's got. He was always going to make that team better immediately. They've got, they've got a really good squad there, and they, they clearly run their race with Pochettino. It just, it just had. It gone stale for a number of reasons. But he was, he was, he's always going to make that team better very quickly in the in the short to medium term. It's what really happens after that. But yeah, I mean, you talk about results dictating how Oli, where, how long Oli is in the job. But he's got, for me, he's got a hell of a job staying in a job past the next week you know if, if United lose to lose to Spurs and City which really isn't beyond the realms of possibility at the moment we could potentially be in the bottom four or five by the end of next week and you know at that point once once you're actually facing some degree of, re- of relegation back that's the point where you've just got to say we can't go on like this yeah I mean obviously we'll have to wait and see the, the, the only the, the only thing is that United have, we, we tend to play better against teams like who's sort of closer to the top and, and more similar to how we want to play um, more open teams because obviously we can counter-attack we can, we can hit them on the break with the, with the pace of James and Rashford and Martial and whatnot. Any predictions for the Spurs match? Um, I've got to be honest I'll be very pleased if we get away with a point at this point I'll just, I, I'm, I'm at the point where I, I just can't face that bad Mourinho <laughs> faux humbleness after he's just tonked us 3-1 <laughs> Old Trafford on with coming back with this team of players he's wanted to sign for United for forevermore. I, I just I just don't want us to lose. To be honest, <laughs> what about you? Uh, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. Really, we're so fragile. Mourinho knows so many of our players. He's obviously a much more experienced coach than Solskjaer. I'm going to go for a three-two United win. Oh, brave! <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, Rich. Uh, having just edited about you know half an hour's worth of audio from the previous uh, half of this episode, I can safely say that you two look like right mugs now. I think I think the question will be I think the question that's on everyone's lips now is what is this team like? What is it? 
Don't know. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it? Don't know. What what motivates it from one week from one game to the next? Who knows? I don't know. I mean, you know, for a bit of context, it's Wednesday night. It's you and Rich back on board, and uh, United have. It, it, I don't think it was a fortuitous evening's work, really, Rich, but a somewhat surprising no, 2-1 victory over Jose Mourinho's Tottenham Hotspur. Man, that's a weird turn to stay. Um, yeah, given the way that the last two games have shaken out, and ex- especially as uh, tonight's game uh, wore on in the way that United essentially at 2-1, barring a few uh, a half uh, chances on the break have been particularly terrible when it comes to defending very, very tight leads. Uh, That was a very squeaky evening's work. But yeah, a really surprising sort of first 35 minutes or so. I think that's as good as I've seen United play against uh, a team as good, well, in theory, as good as Spurs in some time. It was uh, really oddly enjoyable. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was probably the best half First half of football I've seen United put in for going back to to Ollie's magnificent run in sort of up to February March time last Hence, year. Henceforth year. known as the Ollie at the Wheel era. The, yes, the Ollie at the Wheel era. Um, I suppose the frustration was and that, that sort of sinking feeling was that we completely dominated the game. We were incredibly intense. We dominated the chances. Rashford hit the bar. Greenwood had a really good chance saved by Gazaniga. A couple of other chances as well. And, and didn't take advantage. And you just know that this United team have got a mistake in them at the back. And and the, I think the frust- frustrating thing was that Spurs had done nothing that half. And really the first time they'd exerted any sort of pressure, United defence got bent out, all out of shape and completely lost their men at the back post. I mean, it's an absolutely brilliant goal from Deli Alley, Absolutely sensational. But it was just really frustrating to go in at half-time. And it felt a lot like the Liverpool game in that we'd, you know, we put absolutely everything into the first half and put in a really good first half performance. And but United seemed to tire, and then the opposition seemed to 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 creep back into it. The difference was tonight that the second half didn't really pan out in the same way as the Liverpool game, and United didn't regress terribly back towards their own box. You know, there were a few squeaky moments, but but largely Spurs were kept at arm's length, and I think that's definitely a, a pleasant change. <laughs> you sound genuinely surprised, and with good reason. Well, I mean, we, we we can't we can't trust this team, can we? You know, we've we've in the last few weeks we've seen that whenever we do something good, we also do something incredibly bad. So wonderful ten minutes in the Sheffield United game, and eighty minutes of suicide, and then the same thing against Villa. Really, you know, letting in a stupid early goal, getting ahead and conceding again straight away. So we've had this expectation that that's what's going to happen, and as soon as Spurs equalised, and even then in the second half when we're, we're holding a lead, there is an expectation that we'll hmm. we'll switch off at least once. And I think largely we didn't, which is obviously to to the team's credit. Going into this game tonight in particular, you know the the narrative was taking care of itself, really, wasn't it? It's one of those nights that's fantastic for writers and journalists because the copy yeah. just literally types itself up. It's amazing. You know, obviously Mourinho coming back to Old Trafford for the first time since being sacked about a year ago. You know, after three successive wins under as, as new Spurs manager, only on the back of two draws, you know, a faltering league position, struggling and, you know, discontent, I think, even if not outright mutiny, uh, bubbling under the surface, I think it's fair to say. So the fact that United started that game as encouragingly as he did. Actually, you know what? One thing I wanted to point out, there was, oh, there was a properly cringy moment Godfather-esque it was in the tunnel between Solskjaer and Mourinho where you know there's a very nice genial handshake and then Mourinho sort of takes his head in his hands puts one hand either side of his head it was absolutely disgusting it's such a 
filthy power play. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it made me cringe. It was disgusting. You know, you know that from the moment he walked in the building, he was going to be acting, didn't you? Oh, of course. Going to be for, yeah. for effect. You know, there was kind of there was, it was it was always going to be kind of like this faux um, respect, <clears throat> but also give it with an air of air of mischief and menace, wasn't there? You, th- th- there was always going to be that, and you knew he'd be he'd be acting it to a, a script that he thought through a hundred times before he got to Old Trafford, and it was just you know I couldn't even I couldn't watch the pre match because because I knew that's really what it's going to be like and it was going to be too irritating mm. to, to watch. Well, I saw the video of him walking into the tunnel uh, and right. uh, shaking hands with all the security guards and people that he knew and everything. And I'm sure there was some element of that that was quite genuine, but of Mourinho in particular, what we know of him and how badly things ended and just given him as a character in general, you, nothing could be taken at face value. But regardless, anyway, you know, getting into that game, it was a surprise to see United start as strongly as they did. And, you know, in particular, I think looking at that lineup, you know, we were talking during the week about what would happen, especially with Martial uh, found out to be injured today and potentially out for a while. Uh, you did wonder if it was going to go for that 3-4-3 or even 3-5-2 in this sort of game, because these are the sort of games where Solskjaer likes to keep things tight and flood the defence a little bit more didn't pan out that way you know I think we weren't as reliant on our defense as I thought we were going to be I thought looking at the way things shaped out I mean yes Ashley Young was bad at left back shocking no one I thought Fred had an excellent game I thought um Wan-Bissaka was pretty useful defensively if still struggling going forward McTominay came back in and had a great impact but there's only really one person you, I mean you know before we get to the one person who deserves all the praise Mason Greenwood again had a decent game Jesse Lingard wasn't terrible well done he wasn't terrible. He wasn't. He, no. he, he actually he actually resembled a, a a Premier League footballer of some description, didn't he? Which is which is definitely an improvement. Indeed, yes. But obviously, most of the praise needs to be directed towards Mister One, uh, Marcus Rashford, who had an absolutely stonkingly good game. That is as good as I've seen him in a United shirt ever. Yeah, I think after the after tonight's game, I think it's right in saying he's he's had the second most game involvements in the Premier sorry goal in, in, involvements either goals or assists in the Premier League this season behind Sadio Mane which for a guy who two months ago a large portion of Manchester United fans were openly wondering whether he was actually very good is quite some impact and I think you can look back to that England performance in Bulgaria where he scored a really great goal and had a really good game and his confidence seemed to grow from then and it, it seems now that I get the impression that the pennies dropped. You know, you know, in the way that I'm not for a minute suggesting he's as good as Cristiano Ronaldo, but but there was that point at the start of the 06-07 season where all of the potential and the inconsistency became something substantial and consistent, mm. and it kind of feels like Rashford's gone through that transformation and come out. And uh, watching him tonight, first of all, you look at a player who's who's who can be a regular match winner. But I also thought he was a leader of that team tonight. You know, play other players were looking to him to do something good, do do something special, and actually trusting him to help them win the game. And I think that's that's a real progression for him. Because you know, two or three months ago, people are talking about like Hurst is tweeting about Rashford looking entitled and and people suggesting that he couldn't be bothered and robbing the club out, out with his new contracts and stuff like this. And he's He's always been incredibly talented, but he's just been a young player in a quite a poor team who hasn't been able to deliver all the time. And it just feels like he's made that transition to a guy who can actually be a leader of the team now. Yeah, and in particular, as you mentioned there, with everyone sort of looking at him to make things happen, not only did he respond to that, he one of the criticisms that's been levied at Rashford in particular was that without Martial on the side, and Martial seemingly so key to the resurgence in form over the last several weeks, 
you did wonder how he was going to react to not having that foil at centre forward. And Mason Greenwood did a good job, don't get me wrong, but I think Rashford stepped up in Martial's absence in a big, big way. He's been in excellent form over the last several weeks, regardless. But I think tonight he properly took a game by the scruff of the neck and made a gigantic difference. You know, the goal itself, you know, I guess there's, there's certainly an element to say that Gazaniga should not have been beaten at his far post. But when you're dealing with a shot with struck with that much pace and venom to it, it's difficult to keep them out every now and then. And it was a great start. You know, it was just reward for United hitting the front foot and not giving Spurs time to sell. And on occasion, we're really, really good at doing that. It's a marvel that we don't do it more often. <laughs> Regardless, that was really enjoyable to see. And, you know, it, it could easily have been even better. You know, Mason Greenwood had a great shot from close range saved as well. And Gazanegan somehow managed to get a slightest touch on a audacious Rashford effort from just inside the penalty area. And I do wonder whether or not that'd be banging down from the crossbar in up behind the goal line had he not got that little delicate feather touch onto it. I mean, I guess, you know, the only real negative of that first half was the Deli Alley goal. And, you know, obviously there is, you know, it's difficult to legislate for a piece of skill that lovely. You know, it was a lovely chip over the shoulder and a great finish beyond De Gea. But, you know, the, the easy answer to that was United should have dealt with that situation and the lead up to that goal much better. You know, and that, 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 without wanting to sound too negative, them's the breaks. <laughs> you know, some managed to get the ball right up about a metre away from De Gea through three defenders. And we didn't, necessarily clear the original ball you know Aurier was allowed to shoot the ball after the initial cross and we didn't get rid of it so yeah somewhat frustrating I guess you know and especially as the rest of that half wore on we did struggle to get any sort of foothold in the game and Spurs were looking a little bit more dangerous so I guess it's to our credit that going into that second half United kept trying and arguably got yeah, just rewards. You know, certain penalty. I think it was uh, was it Sissoko. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, 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 watching it back, you you when when he went down, you think it must be a penalty because the ball's still still reachable from where from where it's kicked ahead of him. But you you have to see the right angle to actually see the the contact, which just knocked him off off um, off balance. Yeah, we stood on his foot. Well, yes, he did. <laughs> but but United have been a little bit, perhaps a tiny bit unlucky with VAR in the in the first half with the goal, with the ball just sort of brushing off. Ali's arm as he flicked it between the two defenders but then you know I suppose it did its job in that in that circumstance and and confirmed what was a what was a penalty but there was over two minutes between the actual foul and the penalty being taken and if if Rashford's heart was beating as fast as mine in that in that two minutes I'm extremely impressed impressed that he finished as calmly as he did Mm -hmm. when he actually stepped up to take the penalty and I think it it was such a surprise because we've become used to even if United have come out very fast in the first half, really seeing a much lower tempo, less dangerous second half and, and really kind of regressing. Whereas the penalty came just at the right time. United did keep going forward and, and it's really what we needed to, to lift confidence because the last five five minutes or so of the first half, you, there were misplaced passes and you could see everyone got really jittery. Mm. So the timing of it was just absolutely perfect because it just, just calmed calmed minds again and settled everyone down and then we, we kind of clearly focused again to get on with the, with the job of actually seeing the game out. Sure, I mean game management definitely came into the equation shortly after that though, didn't it? You know, for the rest, of, essentially for the rest of the half, you know, I think 
there were a couple of flashes here and there. You know, Dan James was a couple of half decent opportunities from outside of the area with some really nice curling efforts. And then somehow we conspired to not score from two excellent breaks. I don't know how Luke Shaw, and maybe it was just because of the fact he could have done where they'd take an extra touch as opposed to squaring it to Rashford, who had just strayed offside. And then Rashford, after another excellent pass from Luke Shaw, um, someone some inexplicably playing on the left wing because perhaps the assumption is that he can do less damage there. <laughs> Put it through to Rashford, but the first touch wasn't quite there and he pulled himself out a little bit wide. But now, regardless, I mean, you know, a lot of positives to take from that game. And I guess, you know, again, the frustrating thing about that first half, goal aside, was that we know full well that United are completely and utterly capable of performances like that. We know that Fred can produce more frequently. We know that United have got McTominay in the side, that we've got a little bit more heart, we've got a little bit more of an engine, and we've got more effort, and we've got more chance of winning the ball back. We know that Marcus Rashford can have games like that we can um, you know, influence proceedings. And we know that most of the players on the pitch can provide more than they are providing over the last several weeks and months. I think the issue is in how United are actually approaching games. And it seems to me at the minute, if you look at the way United have approached the so-called bigger games so far this season, so let's say the two Chelsea games, the Liverpool game, and the Spurs tonight, you look at the way that we played in those games, and I think we played pretty well in each of them. And, you know, we've been committed, uh, apart from maybe the unfortunate incident at Liverpool aside, we've generally got what we've needed out of games and what we've deserved out of games. And I think partly when United are playing a team who can provide more and who arguably are just a better side than we are I think it makes Solskjaer and the coaching staff think a little bit more about how to approach a game in a tactical way because you look at the way that we produce performances against Villa and Sheffield United there's seemingly a sense that we've been caught off guard to the point where both teams have been in the ascendancy for large chunks of the game and we struggle to get a foothold in proceedings which makes me think that United coaching anyway or at least the way that we approach games tactically when we're dealing with a team whose strengths we respect, generally the approach is a bit more spot on and we're potentially, you know, we've got a really good chance of getting a result. When we think we might be superior to another side, then we start to see performances like we have over the last several weeks in these two draws. What do you reckon? Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I th- it feels like there's a little bit of almost like lifting ourselves for the big games, the, the kind of um, plucky mid-table team that turns it on when... Liverpool or whoever come to town, one of the big one of the big teams, and they're, they're clearly there's clearly a, a difference in in the way that the players come out, in the focus or the intensity or the tempo or whatever it is, and I don't know why why that is. It's it's a really really strange one. I mean, certainly we benefit we benefit from the fact that the the better teams come out and try and play, and that really does play to our strengths in terms of the pace in the front three and the ability to break very quickly. But there does there does also seem to be a, a completely different mental approach to games. I mean, I can't how how you reconcile that with Villa is is difficult to understand, isn't it? Because United came out against Villa just incredibly sloppily, incredibly loose. Without much of any excuse at all, because everyone that played that game was not used in Astana in midweek. It's true. I mean, I, I, you know, we said at the time, didn't we, that that was the absolute right thing to do, to send the kids to Astana, whether they won or lost. And, and because that sort of game three days before, but, but the frustration, perhaps we, we've actually seen the benefit of it tonight rather than uh, against Villa. I don't know, because obviously Spurs have had a, a European game in that, that week as well, which they've, which they've had to actually have a go for. So maybe, but it was a really weird performance by Spurs as well, wasn't it? I mean, you can see they've changed stylistically. They're getting the ball forward much earlier, playing a lot more long ball, a lot more, certainly a lot more pragmatic than they were under Pochettino. And they, they kind of looked like a team that wasn't absolutely comfortable with what they were 
being asked to do yet. So there's still, you know, they're kind of learning a new system and haven't completely grasped it yet. You know, I think we could look at part of tonight was was a United team that was incredibly focused and incredibly just on it for for large portions of the game, but also a game in which Spurs just weren't as fluid as they, they can be. But we shouldn't really look a gift horse in the mouth because... You know, Villa aren't a good team, and we we really made them look good on at the week at, in the midweek. So, oh, yes, I beg your pardon. The week, oh, the weekend. Sorry. So, so yeah. I mean, I, I've, the way the way I kind of feel at the moment is that we have to just we have to just enjoy the few days after we win a game because you know you know something worse is coming <laughs> around the corner, and, and you know what I mean. It's it's just a it's a very different way to to supporting United than we've had for a very long time. And the last time I can remember really kind of following United game to game and hoping for just for something in the next game was probably the late 80s, probably 89-90 season when United United went three months without winning that season that people don't don't remember. Really touching the relegation zone until they won at Millwall in February, I think. So and it just does feel like that, and in a way, it's a release because there's been so much tension with needing to win as many games as possible, and and it's it's almost slightly refreshing to be able to look at every game with a with a kind of clean slate and just take it take as it is as it comes. I mean, admittedly, I'd like to go back to winning lots of games if possible, please. I mean, that'd be nice, yeah. I mean, especially if we could carry this on for just just one more game, just one more game, considering who we're playing on Saturday yeah. afternoon. That would be a good one, wouldn't it? it but would be nice. but I, you def, definitely do. I definitely do appreciate a win like this more, perhaps more than I would have done six, seven years ago. Because it's in that one, it's just another vital three points, another one, isn't it? Whereas this, it, it does feel like an achievement tonight. It was just going to be incredibly frustrating when we don't put that level of performance into another game in a week's time or two weeks' time or whatever. True. I mean, we're up to sixth now, so that's nice. Wow. I mean, eight points off the top four, and you know we've got Wolves in uh, fifth, two points ahead of us. But still, uh, that, that, that's definitely better than when we were earlier on. I mean, I checked. Anyway, Rich, that's let's better. leave it there for this week, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. I mean, we are going to be playing no, City no. in several days' time. But anyway, always a pleasure, my friend. Absolutely. Cheers, guys, and thank you very much for listening. We hope you really enjoyed this week's episode. And if you have, then why not? I don't know. Here's an idea off the top of my head. Go on to Twitter and tell us about it. You can get me at you and Lennart. You can get Rich at @RichRedVoices because he's the only one who's actually got a bit of branding on his at handle. You can get Paul at PaulGunning1, and you can get the pod at RedVoicesMUFC. And you can also get our blog at RedVoices.net and the pod at Spotify on Stitcher on SoundCloud and the Apple Podcasting app. We will see you most likely again in a week. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye.